What happens when we face difficult conversations? These conversations can heal. They can foster forgiveness. They can inspire and change perspective. Lean into these stories and discussions. I think both our guests and our listeners will find value in them. And selfishly, I know I will too. Innovations in genetic testing have provided us with the ability to gather lots of information about our risks of developing diseases. But with all this information comes pretty difficult decisions. Today on Lean In, Dr. Lindsay Urbachka talks about how a phone call led to her discovering that she had an 87% chance of developing cancer and the process that she went through to decide how she was going to manage that risk. Hey, everybody. Today on Lean In, we have a good friend of mine, Dr. Lindsay Urbachka. She's a doctor of pharmacy who is here on Lean In not to talk about her job as a pharmacist, but actually to share a personal story of hers that I think our audience will, I think, find a lot of value in. So, Lindsay, thank you for, for joining Lean In. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So let's, let's just get started. I want to talk about a phone call that you received back in, was it 2013? It was. Yeah. Okay. Tell us about that. I think it was May of 2013. My dad called and he is not the type of person that calls, says like, are you, are you home? Are you sitting down? Are you by yourself? He's usually just like, Hey, what's going on? He's very relaxed and tells you about what's going on in Wyoming and the weather, like the typical hanging out. But when he calls and says, are you home? Are you sitting down? That's serious because he did the exact same thing to me in college. He called to tell me about a cousin we didn't know we had. Her name's Amanda. And we'd literally grown up next to her. She'd been adopted, but adoptions were secret back in the seventies. And her adopted mom, adopting mom was my, my mom's pharmacy tech. And so we found out we had a cousin, Amanda. So when he calls and he says, are you sitting down? I'm like, I am now. What's going on, Dad? He's like, Well, I've been in touch with my second cousin who's on her fifth ovarian cancer treatment, not first, like fifth ovarian treatment. And we have this genetic mutation in our family. So I got tested for it. And before I go and tell your sisters, I want you to get tested for it. And since you're in the medical field, I want you to figure it out. And then, then we'll tell your sisters about it. Okay. So now I can't immediately run to the two people I want to run to, right. To talk about this. And I said, okay, well, what's the mutation? He says it's called the BRCA1 mutation. Okay. So now my education starts, right. You, we had Google back then. It's only 2013. So he's, he basically explained to me that it gave us a higher risk of ovarian 
and breast cancer, but some other cancers. And it explained a lot of why his mom's side of the family had breast cancer before their age of 50. Mm -hmm. His mom died of breast cancer when he was 17. So him receiving this call, our, our distant cousin, she'd had her eight children tested. And then she started to trace the family tree. And she knew that my dad and his siblings also had daughters and children. And so my dad being um, a male doesn't have the high risk that the females carry, but instead of say 0.1 or 0.2% on the male side, he's at a one to 2% risk. So he actually gets mammograms. My dad goes for mammograms. Wow. So that was my phone call. Okay. Terrifying. Yeah. So now you have this information to, to process and you had a decision to get tested. I mean, was it much of a decision or you pretty yeah, much knew yeah. you were going to get tested? Yeah, not for me. I'm, I like to know what's coming. What's, what are my odds? And, and here we are 20 years prior to this, we wouldn't have had the opportunity. You know, the BRCA mutations hadn't been mapped yet. So I'm being in the generation we've been born into. We have this opportunity to test for genetic mutations. And these ones had been pretty well mapped out. So I had, I used my dad, he sent me his deletion. So they actually knew the exact deletion in our gene code. And I sent that in, I took it to my doctor's office. And I said, I need to be tested for this. And you could either do blood or you could do a cheek swab. Super simple. The doctor knew how to do it. And it went off to a company called Myriad Genetics. And they looked at hit that for that specific deletion. And then, and I'll never forget, it was July 10th that it came back. So I got tested in June, came back July 10th. I was standing in this tiny little pharmacy working in an HIV specialty shop. And they're like, sorry, they left me a voicemail because, you know, we're in that era too. Sorry to tell you, you do have your BRCA mutation. Please call us back so we can talk about what your next steps are. Yeah. What What was that like hearing that you you now knew that you had the, the mutation? Well, now, so that puts me at a 45% risk of ovarian cancer over my lifetime and an 87, depending on who you asked, a 90% chance of breast cancer. Wow. And I was, yeah, so 2013, I was turning 30. So I'm 29 years old. And being typical Lindsay, I had patients to take care of. So I set it aside, took care of my patients. And then I went home and sat down with my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband. I said, okay. In the last two months, since we found out about this mutation, we knew that this, this was a possibility. What do I, what do I, what do you want to do? I was like, you, you have the choice to run right now. Like this could be a one heck of a journey and not everyone's up for that. He was up for it. So I'm, (laughs) you know, (laughs) checkbox, he's still here. And the first thing I did after I called my OB back was get a genetic counselor. Yeah. What's a, what's a genetic counselor? What's a genetic counselor? They have them through your insurance, Hmm. believe it or not, or at least mine did at the time. I believe they're still there and they help you. They ask you questions that you don't think about asking yourself. Like, well, are you attached to your breasts? Do you want to keep them every, now that you've been diagnosed with this gene every six months, you need standard protocol is to get an alternating MRI or mammogram, a CA-125, which is a blood test that looks for cancer markers. You probably run them all the time, but it's a general marker. It's not specific. You need to get a pelvic ultrasound, a transvaginal ultrasound. You need to have your 
ovaries actually manually checked as well as your breasts. And then of course, they always tell you to check your breasts as you grow up. But now you've seriously committed yourself to it because you're at a higher risk. They give you guidance. You're like, okay, I'm not, I'm not getting cancer right now. I'm not getting cancer tomorrow. But now I know there's a way to look for it. So that if I got it, I could catch it early. And then the question comes up, do you want to prevent cancer? Because you don't need your breasts and you don't need your ovaries unless you want to have children. And even then you could argue, I have friends that have been surrogates for patients with the BRCA1 mutation. So they, they ended up doing egg retrievals and then had other people carry their babies. So there's lots of mind blowing options that come at you. Yeah. So it seems like the two big options for you, at least at that moment, were surveillance, right? Surveillance, pretty, right. pretty in-depth surveillance with mammograms and ultrasounds and blood tests, blood tests versus potentially having the discussion about removing your breasts. Right. So then I asked her, you know, well, how does, what if I, because at the time too, this was when Angelina Jolie's BRCA1 mutation, she came out that fall. I think in September, 2013, she put a lot of spotlight on it, which was interesting because I had literally just gone through the genetic counseling portion of it. And I said, well, I don't, I don't want cancer. <laughs> and I stand here at a specialty pharmacy counter and I have the husbands come in and they're on the second breast cancer, or they're giving their wife the chemo, the oral treatment. And they're almost in tears because the side effects are so bad. And, and one of them, I will never forget him. He goes, I don't know if we're going to make it through this one. And it just, oh, I want, I want her to make it, but I can't make her make it. And then I would never, I would never wish that upon my family. If I'm going to prevent my family from going through that. And I, I'm a very active, oh, you know me, I'm a swimmer. I like to do a lot of hit class. I'm a very active person. I would not be happy with my body failing. Like I would not be happy taking chemo and be very depressing for me. It is for everyone, but it's, it would, it would take me out of all the things I love to do. Yeah. Uh, and so I was like, I can't do this to my family. So I, I told the genetic counselor, I don't, I don't want to have cancer. What are my options? And she said, well, do you want children? Yes. Okay. Well then we should probably keep your ovaries for now. Do you want to breastfeed those children? Mm, not really attached to that idea. I was 29. Uh, okay. I don't No, I'm okay without breastfeeding. Okay. Well, then you can take your, your breasts whenever you want. You can have a preventative double mastectomy. Insurance covers this. Insurance covers reconstruction. Uh, what's fascinating is that reconstruction is considered cosmetic if you've had cancer, but not cosmetic if you're preventing it. Which, which makes no I sense think is at all. stupid. And it may have changed since then. This is eight years ago. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. She's like, you can take them whenever you want. You don't have to do this today or tomorrow. And so I said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to get a double mastectomy. Now I have to decide when. And then what, how does that go down? Right. That whole another. And then I'll get my ovaries. Then they were free to specialists. So I have an ovarian cancer specialist who wanted my ovaries at 35. I'm actually 37. She said they're missing BRCA cancers between 35 and 39. But with my health, the, 
my level of health and the fact that the cancers don't develop in my family till mid to late forties, I'm going to wait till I'm 40. Um, so you have specialists. So I, so I decided, okay, I'm going to build my plan. And my husband and I decided to get married and then we would take off my breasts and then we would have children or a child. And then we would take out my ovaries. So we have like a basic outline. Yeah. Yeah. So about how long from when you actually heard about this mutation, this BRCA mutation in your family until you actually had your surgery? Two years. So I had my double mastectomy January of 2015. Okay. So tell us about that. What was the surgery like? What was the recovery like? Yeah. Well, you get, I was very fortunate being in good health. I had, you have your breast surgeon that removes your breast tissue. Then you have a, a plastic surgeon that will come in. They'll actually build you a shelf for your new breast to sit on and reconstruct your chest. So I, I was lucky that I qualified for an immediate reconstruction. Some patients don't qualify and they have to have the double mastectomy. Then they have to get expanders, which I hear hurt really bad. Um, and every week they go in and get fluid added to expand their skin and their tissue under their muscle. So I was fortunate enough that I qualified for the direct implant. So I went in on a, in the morning, it was about a six hour surgery. They removed all my breast tissue. So I went in with my breasts and I woke up with my new ones. It was, again, I, I think I was lucky. I chose to keep my nipples. You have to actually make decisions like that prior to and if it looks like they're going to be salvageable, they will. If they're not salvageable, there are nipple tattoo artists. They can reconstruct your nipple with on top of your skin, and then you can get them colored in. So you have lots of op- options to look normal. You are not going to have feeling. So I had to give up feeling. I can feel between my breasts, and I can feel underneath and on top, like up here by my um, collarbone, but I can't actually feel my breasts anymore. That's weird. Um, Did you know that going in? I didn't know that going in. They give you lots and lots of information. I do have scars underneath both. Those scars were kind of scary at first. They were pretty big. But being a pharmacist, I get access to topical scar stuff. So if anybody listening wants access, let me know. It's over the counter. And I'm glad I, I went through with all of it. It was ugly. I mean, it's your boobs aren't pretty when they're new fake gummy, you know, implants, but they also then do what's called fat grafting. So three months after my reconstruction in April of 2015, they, I underwent another surgery where they, they cut like three holes in your legs. They might do your stomach and they use these little tubes and they suck all the fat liposucked fat out of your legs or your belly and then put it in around your implants. And she said, because I was skinny, we'd probably have to do two of them, but I've managed to get by with the one and nobody can tell when I wear my swimsuit. I am in a bikini almost year round here. I have fake boobs. So I'm glad for that. (laughs) Yeah. So looking back, um, I'm sure it was scary and and it was a tough decision to make with you and your, your husband. Do you feel uh, like you all made the best decision for you, for you all? 
Yes. And that's something I would tell anyone who gets a, a genetic diagnosis, especially BRCA1 or 2, is you, you don't have to do what I did. I have siblings that chose to, they're just monitoring. You have to pick what's best for you and your family and, and think about if you want to breastfeed, go, go ahead, have your, have your children and breastfeed them. And then if you, if you want to prevent and become what's called a previvor, so someone who's prevented and survived cancer, then you, you can't, it's not, what I did is not necessarily what everyone else should do. And that wasn't the last tough decision you had to make, right? There's a whole nother layer to this, which I think makes this story even that much more interesting. So what did you have to decide now? So in specialty pharmacy, I also manage fertility patients. And if you, you don't know about IVF or very much about it, it's, it seems to be kind of a taboo topic, you know, fertility and not being able to have a child. Well, we, nothing's taboo in my world. And I knew that you could do genetic testing on embryos. So people don't always know that. We decided we don't want anyone else to have to go through what I went through uh, or my dad or my, my grandma who passed away or my cousin. And she has since passed away, but she's notified so many family members and, and undoubtedly saved countless lives on our side. So we decided we would undergo uh, IVF we, voluntarily. So we started that process. So January of, I think it was November of 15, we went in, met the doctors. I knew, I knew which doctor I wanted to go to. And we started doing all of the tests and blood tests that undergo with IVF. And we knew that once we did our egg retrieval and they, we, we literally spent every extra dollar you could. They retrieved your, so you do all the hormones, they grow your egg, your ovaries. They look like bunches of grapes. So mine were like the size of grapefruits, my ovaries. And they retrieved 26 eggs and 19 of them became embryos. 13 of them developed to like full, what would be like a full term embryo after five to seven days. We actually had a robot babysit my embryos. Mm -hmm. We did everything to watch it divide. They said, okay, you can send eight of these for testing. I think it was like $6,000 for eight of them. So I have five unknowns in the freezer that I don't know about of the 13. The eight that went for testing, five of them came back BRCA1 positive. So more than half. One wasn't viable. And we were sitting in the office and they go, so you have two. Do you want a boy or a girl or twins? Wow. What? So not only did they test for my BRCA gene, they tested for 2,000 different mutations. And they can tell you the sex of your embryo. We did it. We'd done enough. So we said, just surprise us with one, please. And embryo number four developed into my now four-year-old toddler who has opinions on everything has no idea he'll never need a mammogram and he'll never have to tell his daughters that they have a high chance of getting breast cancer. Wow. That's incredible. You know, I obviously am very familiar with IVF. I've had a lot of friends and patients that have done it. I actually have never heard of the ability to, to do it in order to, in this case, get rid of a very dangerous mutation. And so you all did IVF, not because you had problems conceiving, you did it with the sole purpose of making sure you can eliminate this mutation from your family tree. Yeah. Wow. So cool. That's incredible. That's incredible. Uh, and you, you know, what, what, I wonder what else they're eliminating. You know, this was just my story. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think you did kind of give a little bit of advice, but 
what would be your advice for people to kind of gain the knowledge of their family's cancer history and who should inquire about getting tested for, for BRCA? Do you have any thoughts or opinions on that? Yeah. If you have reproductive cancers in your family or in your family history, I would start your OB's office because what if the person has passed away? Like I was lucky enough to have that piece of paper. My cousin, Amanda, that I mentioned in the very beginning, her real dad, he passed away before she was born. That was my dad's brother. So we sent, it took her an extra couple hoops and we sent her with my dad's genetic test to get her insurance to test for it. But I think that since then, insurance has become more willing to look at genetic mutations. So I would say start at your start mapping it and see if it's one side of your family. And if anyone's around or has cancer at the time, ask them to get genetically tested. If they are not, then I would say start at the OB and say, where do we go from here? Can I get tested? Because there's a myriad of genetics they can test for for cancers, not just BRCA, like HER2 news in there, um, different markers for colon and pancreatic cancers. Like it's not just BRCA. Well, this was wonderful to chat with you about. I really do think this is going to be really valuable for the people who have the opportunity to, to hear this. So thank you for taking the time. Lindsay does some wellness consulting. You can check her out on Instagram at wellnessfarmd. Yep. All right. Well, thanks again. Uh, it was thanks. good chatting with you. Thanks, Dr. Pasha. Let me know your thoughts about this episode. I'm easy to reach on Twitter at Jabron Pasha, on Instagram at What Medicine Did, and on unlockingimplicitbias.com. Thanks for leaning in with me.